0: help other companies, support other companies in leveraging AI. We go until impact has been achieved, until we make a difference. What we describe as AI is technology that allows us to automate cognitive abilities of a human being. Be it planning, be it writing, be it looking at something and saying what's in the picture. Those are cognitive things that you can automate. And then you have different technologies that can help you achieve that. Make sure that actually not only the board, not only management, but also the company understands the potential and feels what it can do. And at the same time, do experiments to know: okay, where is the actual value for us? And then once the dust settles, take their beach buggy and go fast
1: through the sand. This is Sionet TV. My name is Hendrik Dekkers. I'm here today with Davio Larnaut, who is the CEO of Radex. A very warm welcome, Davio. Hi, Hendrik. Davio, you have a master in uh, business administration, management and IT, uh, postgrad in big data and analytics from the University of Ghent. Uh, You, uh, before founding, -founding, co-founding Radix, you were a senior technology consultant at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and you also founded in 2016 BrainSpark. So Davio, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who are you really, and how did you arrive here in the position of CEO of Radix?
0: First of all, Hendrik, I'm glad to be here. Um, I have always been a, somewhat of a, an entrepreneurial mindset and a bit of a technology geek. And I think both came together in, in, in Radix. Uh, as a kid, I always wanted to build my own company, but my parents didn't really allow me because they were pretty risk averse. Mm-hmm. They both had entrepreneurial parents and they know the downsides yep. of that. So they wanted to protect me from that, um, I guess. And uh, on the other side, I've always been like uh, liked tinkering with my computer and stuff like that. And then during my master's, I came into contact with what was then called data mining. Okay. And I saw something of which I thought, mm, this is very interesting. What we can do here with adding data and mathematics and then magic happens. And at that point, more or less also, there was some, some sort of a breakthrough in AI that was 2011 or 2012. And um, at that point I said, I have to do something with this. First tried at PwC, was not that easy. um, And eventually decided to do something on my own. Okay. And so you're running
1: Radix how many years now? Uh, Five years since 2018. And so tell me in in two senses, what is that Radix does and what does it really, really well? Um,
0: We help other companies. We support other companies in leveraging AI. So there's a complete AI boom. What can you do with it? and we help them build it. And what are we extremely good at? I think there's a lot of fluff and a lot of trying and and, and experiments and stuff like that. We go until impact has been achieved, until we make a difference. And I think that's something which is is throughout the whole DNA of Radix. Everybody, if we start working together with a client, we want to make a difference. Um, And how does it translate into what we do on a daily business? It means that technology is merely technology. We focus on understanding the customer, their needs, their pains, their business, mm-hmm. and then seeing, okay, which tool do we now need for this specific problem? Yep. Um, and that's something I think we're exceptionally good at.
1: Okay, so your telephone must be very busy because the world is going crazy on, uh, on AI. I mean, we have uh, GPT, next versions coming out, we have mid-journey, so there's so much going on with generative AI at the moment That's really gone mainstream. And that's really is disrupting creative processes, white collar uh, jobs, and so on and so on. So, what's your what's your vision in general on where we are with AI today? Is it really disrupt, uh, disrupting businesses, and how do you see it evolving in the near future? Um, I think today
0: we see a lot of applications of new things that can happening that can happen, but I wouldn't say that today we're disrupting anything because there's an inertia in companies and there's also um, still things to be uncovered in the technology, but you can clearly see what will be possible in the next few months and years, and that will be enormous. Yeah. Um, the things that we are working on today are okay, virtual assistants that can help you navigate information in your company, which is already quite impressive. Where usually you had to go to a bi guy and then make an sql mm-hmm. uh, a statement and then run some data and put it in a in a, in a nice visual yep. now you talk to a chatbot who can talk to an sql uh, database who can turn that into a query and then make it into a visual yep. and you do that with a few natural language questions which is amazing no yep. but that's i wouldn't call that disruptive yet for a business okay. but you can feel that there's disruption in there <laughs> put that into a product or put that at scale, mm-hmm. and then you become you come very close to disruption. Yep. Um, but what I also think we need to do is to get to that disruption, usually we still have a, we're still at the point of, we have this process of A, B, C, D, and then we do this, and then we add AI. And then, but what you get is you get faster at, let's say if you add AI at point D, you get faster there, but your entire process, it's only marginal. What we see now is that companies start rethinking, how do we go from A to Z, not with the path we use today, but if we add AI, how does this fundamentally change how we how we generate business? Yep. And that's what's happening right now. And if you add connect those two dots, then we'll see things happening, which are absolutely amazing.
1: AI is really also an umbrella term, right? So maybe to structure our conversation a little bit, explain me in your view, what are the different categories of AI and the different domains of AI? That's a very good question.
0: Um, I think there's a lot of opinions on it as well. Uh, So I think uh, I respect all of them. We have one of our own, of course. Um, As you've said, indeed, AI is a umbrella term. It's not a technology. It's an umbrella term and the way we, what we describe as AI is technology that allows us to automate cognitive abilities of a human being. Mm-hmm. Be it planning, be it be it writing, be it looking at something and saying what's in the picture. Those are cognitive things that you can automate. Yep. And then you have different technologies that can help you achieve that. Mm-hmm. The one which is most famous today is what we call deep learning. And then within deep learning, you have generative AI, which is actually already a a part of deep learning because the deep learning collection is bigger than only generative AI. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the one which is most uh, uh, known today. And that's usually through something we call transformers or or diffusion models, which is the type of AI models that caused the breakthrough today. Mm -hmm. But of course the collection is a lot bigger. Things that we are also working on is for instance, something completely different is more mathematical optimization for planning purposes. Where we can um, automate the planning of uh, production planning at Atlas Copco, where we support them to to optimize that. That's an entirely different category of technology, but still, in a way, it's uh, automated and cognitive task, and we help them do that production planning a lot faster and a lot better. Yeah. Um, now, where is the line? That's okay, for us, everything that automated cognitive task fits within the umbrella, and then you have categories of technology which is. More typically operations research, which yeah. is are the optimization technologies, then you have machine learning within machine learning. you have deep learning, deep learning are the black box algorithms the the ones where you add compute, you add data and something comes out from neural people. networks a neural network that yeah. a deep learning is a neural network with multiple hidden layers is what they call it's a it's deep uh, there's a lot of in <laughs> it there's a lot in it um and then within that, you have a generative AI, which is a specific type of algorithms that in the last few months have shown incredible results yep. in generating data and not just classifying or, or predicting anything.
1: Okay. Now you work a lot with, with big companies, big organizations. Um, uh, and, and and when you talk to CIOs, when you talk to CEOs, do you think that uh, organizations really understand today fundamentally the impact that the AI is having today and will have in the near future on business and society in general? I don't think they understand it. Um, I do think they f-
0: feel that there's something happening at least, and that's good. Um, but I don't think they understand it. And I also think it's it's a tricky debate right now because at this point, there's a lot of pessimistic talk around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Jeffrey Hinton, uh, the, the godfather of AI that is that left Google. Um, yesterday, there was an event um, from from the Tate New Insights where Peter Abel was was giving a keynote where he also yeah had a bit of a view, like there is an opportunity, there is a possibility that AI will take over uh, uh, people. As far as I'm concerned, I think that today there's no sign whatsoever that that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, on the positive side, what, we, what things that we are seeing is, um, as an example, we see AI being used as a private tutor for children and for, for graduates, which is in research shown that you can drastically improve the, the mastery of students if you can tutor them one-on-one. But that wasn't, in, in the UK, it's very popular and they pay a lot of money to, to do it. Here it's less, yep. but it has incredible results. And now with this technology, we can do that at scale. Mm-hmm. We can have a private tutor for everyone, no. that's an example of of a radical change that will happen, where the 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 knowledge of our kids will grow a lot faster and a lot better mm-hmm. just because of that technology. Yeah. And then you, you, I'm not even talking about the examples of healthcare, of of predicting what the next medicines will be, of helping us to go to Mars faster, of harvesting asteroids because they have they have cobalt on them and we don't have enough on the on the planet Earth. So all of these things are going to be possible because of AI. Um, So there's a lot going going on, to come back to your question, and the impact will be immense. I think today we send, most people sense that there's something happening. In most board meetings, AI is on the agenda and is almost the only topic on the agenda. What do we need to do with it? What does it mean for us? Um, I think that's the right question to ask. I think there's a storm right now. We're in the middle of it. And I think the most important thing is that company should experiment and be ready when the dust settles to put the pedal to the metal to the metal basically um, and be ready for it. I wouldn't over invest as well okay because a lot will there's a question of buy and build a lot will, will will be built into products will be will be already available where you don't need services like ours to make something custom and all of them if you want to have strategic value you will need service providers like us to help you build stuff so but what will it be we have a, we have a we have an advice eh? i would say we have a and 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 that's things we share but it's the future and nobody can predict the future
1: so your advice is to companies keep it on the on the ward agenda yes keep exactly. talking about it learn about it and and then get your hands dirty and do your first uh yes, sure, project make sure that Actually, not only the
0: board, not only management, but also the company understands the potential mm-hmm. and feels what it can do. It's like with big big data, with any new technology, the first step is that the company needs to understand and needs to build a reflex. Ah, oh, this is something, this is happening. Ah, oh, we can use AI. This is no. a technology and it can help us solve this problem. No. That's something they need to invest in by making sure that people understand this. Um, and have this reflex, okay. and at the same time do experiments to know okay, where is the actual value for us. Okay. And then once the dust settles, they can take their beach buggy and go
1: fast through the sand. Could you give an example of, of that kind of first tryouts and, and, and getting your hand dirty projects that you're doing with your clients? Um, yes, but I can't tell all of it, of course.
0: <laughs> um, it's it's a very wide range. It goes from a simple Q&A bot that on, on top of their compliance data, because there's heaps of them and people don't really know anymore what's there. And it's all written in, well, you know, legal text. Uh, it's yep. very nicely written. And then, but what we do is we add um, uh, on top of that, a Q&A assistant that helps you. Okay, if I, in this specific context, need to know if I'm compliant or not, the, the system digs into the information and gives you back the answer, but in plain language. That's a simple one, mm-hmm. but then we go a lot further in some cases
1: where um, the, the let's say- Let's take a concrete example. I know that you work for GSK, for Vidia for United Nations. What is your your favorite uh, stories that you can tell us? I can't tell names,
0: mm-hmm. but for a, a, a large manufacturing company, um, one of the challenges that they are having is that they have a lot of knowledge which is within um, their, their experts mm-hmm. and some of them go away and some of them go retire and um, then they have new joiners which are not necessarily experts yet. And all of that knowledge right now is captured within people or within old documents, mm-hmm. documents spread over. And I think you, we all know that you have a SharePoint, you have a C, you have a lot, and it's all over the place. So uh, what we're doing for them is actually building a co-pilot for their, um, their, their operators, mm-hmm. that they can find the information of how to manufacture a specific uh, product through chatting with the system, and that finds back the right document and translates it back to a, a, a schema of saying, okay, these are the steps you need to do to manufacture this specific uh, product. Okay. This is,
1: I don't know, I know it's no, no details, but um, I think uh, it's interesting that companies are so sensitive about sharing what they're doing with the latest generative AI and, and bots and so on, right? The, the, the thing is, if this works
0: as good as we predict it will, mm-hmm. it will have a huge impact not just on the fact that they can share knowledge, but the productivity because they see there's a lot of knowledge that, they, they, that goes lost in translation mm-hmm. and that they need to find by chatting with each other. But you can, you can extend it to, if this works well, to yep. new product design. And to, there's, there's a chain of things that can follow and there, this can be so strategically important that when um, they're, they're protective of it because they don't want others to know it. So they're all a bit like, oh, this is the new thing and we need to uh, shield it for the rest of what, for what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I guess you understand.
1: Okay, sure. So you're very positive about the future of AI. Um, but as you said, even some huge names in there think this is also a moment to reflect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't don't you think that we need some regulations in place, uh, that we need more transparency around AI and the domains that is being used and where the data comes from and so on and so on. Um, of course, I think
0: regulation. I, the goal of regulation is to make sure that we're safe, and I think that's that's good. And to make sure that that. Um, we're treated fairly. Um, I think regulation is is necessary, but the way I have a problem with the way it's being addressed today. Okay. Like, oh, we're going to go, we're going to die. That's basically like the message. And definitely, I don't know if you saw the the headline of um, all of those famous names saying that we need to do something about AI. It's a few days ago. Mm-hmm. You know, the actual statement that they made was one sentence: AI is a potential risk as big as nuclear weapons. Do you agree? Yes or no? That was basically the statement they made. And that's it. No more information, no research, no no supporting arguments, just that one sentence. Yeah. Um, and I do agree in a negative situation, you can imagine that AI might do things we don't want it to do. But today it's far from that. Yeah. Far from that. Um, ChatGPT is here since December last year. I have not seen anyone... Being killed by ChatGPT today? Um, not yet. Yeah. Um, but so the thing is, to come back to your question, I do think there's there's a need for regulation because there will be malicious people using it, and if it's a, a tool for for the good, it's a tool for the bad. That's just oh. that's the thing with tools. A uh, hammer can use it for multiple things. Yeah. Um, so yes, there should be regulation, um, and yes, we need to make sure that AI cannot take over, even though it's not the case today. Maybe in a few years, it can become more dangerous. Yep. We need to think about it. But the way it's being addressed, I don't like. Okay, Because it's being addressed from a view that it scares people. People are scared. I'm, I'm talking to people daily on a daily basis that um, are interested in AI, but don't know a lot about AI. And it's always the first question, do I have to be scared? And I'm like, no. Are you scared of your keyboard? I hope you're not. <laughs> but if I want, I can kill you with your keyboard. I can try i i would not want to do it but you get the point so um it's the way they bring it it's so exaggerative and people get scared and um and definitely in politics that is something which is even more dangerous in my opinion Mm -hmm. just for public vote they could do some stupid uh suggestion just because it's popular and people are scared oh let's stop ai because then i get vote exaggerating a little bit. They're more smart than that. Yeah. They will do it a bit more sophisticated, but at the end, it will
1: boil, boil down to something like that because they don't understand it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. the dangerous part. I mean, we're in the middle, we are in the eye of the storm of, exactly. of, of an AI storm at the moment. So it's very difficult to see where this where it's all going to go. So let's not panic is your is your message. But at the same time, AI has been around and, and AI models and so on has been around for many, many years. We had winters and springs over the last 20, 30 years exactly. that people have been working on AI. So Let's maybe take a step back and and look at a couple of domains that you and your clients have been working on with more, maybe more traditional uh, AI tool sets and so on. Where do you see very interesting application domains and where there's a lot of uh, value to be gained by implementing good? uh, good? It's amazing that you already,
0: that we can already say traditional AI. eh? (laughs) It's like the breakthrough was in 2012, deep learning, and that's already old school. Mm -hmm. Let's not do that anymore. Let's look at the new stuff. But let's say that the, the traditional AI, and, and that could be deep learning, but let's not say the, the generative AI, that is already creating a huge amounts of value today. And um, there are, are examples there. There, there. There's thousands out of there. No. For instance, GSK, we help them um, um, speed up their vaccine development process mm-hmm. by detecting bacteria in a specific phase. I won't go into the details, but in the end, a, a lab technician can do that specific part of the process six times faster um, and the accuracy that they have is higher as well so they have better results so meaning we have vaccines we have them faster and more qualitative because of ai Um, at the airport we help you find back your luggage we help you reduce waiting times in the airport that's who who likes waiting in the airport Um, so these are these are these are things which are are happening today. We're helping the, the Flemish Public Employment Service, VDAB, with um, matching jobs and job seekers. Yep. Um, these are things happening today. Um, I can go on and on and on if you want. Atlas
1: Copco, as I mentioned, yep. um, reducing as, uh, So how do these, these organizations that you, that you talk about, how do they organize? I mean, did they call you in with, with your expertise, but then how do they build their own expertise? What's the journey that they go through? To really develop um, the the, I mean, this as as a strategic tool in their organization. So you're asking from a perspective. Let's say you're not doing anything yet. is Yes. It? So yeah. what's the what's the the typical steps that you you want to take today? I mean, except for experimenting with yeah with some of the latest stuff. But the, I uh, think the, the the
0: thing. So there's we've seen many paths, eh? uh, but I would say the most successful ones are the ones that it starts at the top. You need you need conviction there, which means you need money for it. You need to make a choice. Uh, that's as simple as that. Because otherwise, it's um, I don't know how you say that in English. brilliant in the marge, It's just doing something which doesn't make any difference. No. So I think there needs to be a strategic choice. That's number one, and a direction in which that strategic choice will go. So we, for instance, um, at the airport, we helped them in the beginning understand what can AI mean. We helped we, we help them with understanding which are the large Fields you need to look at yep. and what can that mean for you as a business and paint a picture for that so that they understand okay in that area that's where where, where we can create value mm-hmm. um, but from the moment that has happened and once the conviction is there it's very important that there's a very quick adoption or, or um, bottom-up approach as well through experimenting and through giving people some budget, some time, some leverage to start experiment, to start experimentation, because there the conviction will start for, okay, and, and the real cases will boil up. You can have some top-down cases eh, that happens, and we do that, and these are strategic things, and we just pull these and, and make these happen. But AI is a horizontal, it's a technology, it goes across the company, and it starts creating real value once your company is at that tipping point of understanding what this means for them, and that's what, that's the best thing that you do is having some kind of ambassador, advocate, or, or head of AI or, or whatever you call it, yeah. and that can liaise with the other company, uh, uh, with with the other business parts, and build momentum and do experiments and build credibility, and then along the way that boils up and you get it's it it changes from top down push mm-hmm. to bottom up demand. That's what you want. Okay and then in terms of setup um, we've seen having a core team centralized and did, and, and saying what happens to being all over the place calling it shadow ai or shadow data science like you had with shadow it or you yep. still have probably um, and i think the best way is is again a bit a mix of both is having some kind of center of excellence or or where they come together share expertise and yep. and, and 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 learn from each other but being in the business, in the field, because for AI it's even and data, it's even more important to understand where the value lies yep. because it's very close to applications. It's not like, oh, we need to build infrastructure. That's, you have cloud for that. Uh, what you do is you build, the, the, the thing that companies need to master is building applications. Yep. And that's what we help them in is, okay, defining that roadmap, helping them to develop a workflow. How do you go from identifying the right use cases to making some experiments and then setting up a flow because going from an experiment to an actual in-production application—that's a very—that's uh, that's not that doesn't happen overnight. No. So it starts from going from an experiment to involving IT at the right time to having a process, which is typically something we call today ML ops, which is ML uh, machine learning operations—is making sure that the experiment
1: becomes an actual value creator. Okay. And do you see in organizations today already? The head of AI? Do you see the chief AI officer? Do you see a VP AI? Are, are these roles popping up nowadays? Our leading
0: customers have, or a VP of AI, or a head of AI, or and there's always some someone in the C-suite who has the clear ownership of AI. That is, those are the ones that are leading. Where it's very clear, this is something which is which is on our map and is something that we are dedicated to invest in. Um, and they typically what i would also what i also see is then they typically invest in their own product being ai supported so in their own r&d mm-hmm. and in in the, the crucial processes for their company to have a strategic advantage the periphery there you typically see more looking at buying products or saas or whatever
1: how and how i mean CIOnet, we're a community for digital leaders, CIOs, CDOs, and CTOs, and so on. So where do you see the role of the the CIO in in the adoption and the usage of AI? Do do you see AI as a a domain that needs to be controlled and managed and organized by the CIO? Or or maybe you don't want to see it in in their control? How how is that uh, working? Uh, I think that's a a very good question. I think that that depends
0: a lot on on the type of CIO and and the way they're, they're positioned in the company. Mm-hmm. um it's a technology and it's an information technology so there's definitely a link with the CIO mm-hmm. um but in my experience you have uh, cios which are typically more um, involved or have the position to make sure that the infrastructure and then stuff gets keeps on running mm-hmm. and you have the the ones who have more ownership also of innovation and 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 more application uh, stuff I, I I see those two different uh, interpretations of CIO. I'm not sure if, if yeah, that is sure. what you see as well, but that's how I see it. If it's on the infrastructure level, I think the AI part is more looking at, okay, what is it on, what cloud do we need? What choices do we make in terms of technology, in terms of governance? Yep. And then the application part should probably uh, should probably be uh, another role. Yep. But from the moment you're getting closer to the application side and to the innovation,
1: it's definitely, and the data, it's, definitely, side, yeah. the data, it's uh, definitely something that fits in that in that uh, portfolio. Because what's really, what are the challenges today? I mean, the challenge is that it's all new and you need experts and so on, but but on company level, what are the, the challenges for organizations to really adopt this faster than, than they're doing today? Um, and is it data? That's, I mean, that was a leading question to see if uh, if it's the organization, the maturity, the, cleanest, the uh, of of data, is that a big thing or not? Uh, it's a, it's a good question. What I noticed, what I noticed, for instance, yesterday, there was
0: a question at New Insights on, should I buy a new ERP, or should I wait on the AI revolution? And will it just make my ERP? Uh, I, I don't, don't need it anymore, and, and and AI will solve it. It was a bit of a and and a blown up question, but mm-hmm. it does paint a picture of what i feel with a lot of companies today is do we invest now mm-hmm. or do we wait now mm-hmm. and and what i mean to make speed is that they they are a bit they're a bit okay what 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 do we do um and i think there it's it's again it's that experimentation which is crucial i think to to understand what is happening to understand what the value is for you as a company um and for the rest, I think the other one is where where they are, where the companies, our clients have decided we invest in AI. Then um, they get so many demand of the business right now mm-hmm. because, yeah, they've all used ChatGPT and they now all think that AI is as easy as, as uh, just open ChatGPT and we all have AI and we all want this and this and that. But it's all possible. And it's not just opening gpt and it works having it work on an enterprise level meaning it needs to be secure meaning you want to have it used on your own data meaning you need access rights that are, are properly done meaning you don't want to lose your data suddenly leaked somewhere so there's a lot of questions of how do you make that happen yep. Um that is what, what what i see right now is that filtering through all the demand of the company because everybody now wants ai which are the good cases How do you prioritize them? How do we help them learn to prioritize them so that we get a better filter towards us? Because there are now an over demand in all companies of, we all want this. Um, And I think now is the the challenge is filtering on what are the things we need to focus on that will build value. And I think the best ones that we've seen right now is actually um, a pharmaceutical company. I'm, I'm quite impressed with how they approach bringing that knowledge into the business Mm -hmm. so they can start filtering their own and they come up with very good ideas quite mature already um, and and in that way they can start quite efficiently starting with experiment and they don't need to first have a gazillion meetings on this is bullshit this this is they
1: probably say it a bit more polite but uh, you get the point yeah so what's your favorite of all the projects your company have been working on uh, what's your favorite? Your most viewers? Your most proud of? And 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 which where you can mention the name yeah. and the project? <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> uh, the one that I'm
0: most proud of, I can't mention. Okay. Um, but it has something to do with very futuristic stuff, mm-hmm. and I hope in a few years we'll see something from it. Um, the one that we can mention, uh, it it might be a bit cliche, but it's it's just they are. Hmm, I all like them. I think they're, what I like the most about our projects is the way in which our clients and, and our team really work together because they see something that wasn't there yet and that we can make possible. Yep. That is what, what really makes my clock tick. Yep. Um, and that's... <laughs> The day we started at VDAB, it was like, yeah, now we have old school technology and it, it sucks and it doesn't work well and that it doesn't do good and that it doesn't do good. And then you start thinking, OK, with using natural language processing, we could do this, we could do that. And then you start seeing things which weren't possible. The same for, for the airport. There's like, oh, now we have these waiting times and, 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 and it's not optimized, for instance, certain parts of the airport where, where the passenger experience, we can really boost that a lot. And then once
1: you start seeing those connecting those dots, that's that's amazing. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your your company, Radix. Uh, how is it organized, and 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 what kind of different teams that you have? What processes do you have in place? How do you collaborate with your clients? Can you explain that a bit? Um, definitely, um,
0: it's a very interesting question because it changes quite often. Uh, we've we've we're doubling. Um, in size in, in, I think, every year and a half right now. So that means that what we did, did a year and a half ago is completely different from what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, I think the most recent and important uh, um, team that became crucial in Redix is what we call the solution leads, mm-hmm. which is something that I think every company needs. It's somewhat of the combination between a um, project manager and an analytics translator. It's, it's the bridge between, between understanding the business and the technology, and it becomes even more important now with the generative AI, the, the, the explosion of use cases. Mm-hmm. You really need people who can, who can understand the challenges of a business and have an intuition for AI. So that's w- one which is very important, which um, is a crucial part for our project. Um, and otherwise, how are we structured? So we have a delivery team. The delivery team are the engineers. Those are the builders, uh, they know AI from A to Z, we have the solutions uh, team, which are, according, maybe you know that there's a, that, that's something that they coined the Helix model, which is you have a, a um, capability. So in delivery is a capability building team, knowledge building. So that's what they do. They, they build knowledge, mm-hmm. but the solutions team is the value creation team. So a solution lead has a team, which is assembled from out the delivery team that works on a specific project, but those teams fluctuate depending on yep. what is available and on the demand of the customer. So yep. we can be very flexible. And okay, that's the type of challenge. Then we need this type of skill, this type of of um, of experiences, and then we assemble a team led by a solution lead. And those that's those solution leads are have an expertise in a specific domain. So they they know they know the business. So for instance, we have a solution lead who is specifically. Uh, uh, trained or has expertise in, in pharmaceuticals and in biotech yep. and they really understand the business okay and then they make a translation this is the type of team i need to build this okay and that way we can be very flexible in in the problems we can tackle
1: okay and what's the kind of 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 profile of of people that you uh, that you hire and is it all phd in nuclear physics or uh what kind of uh, people do you need? Um, I think we have—I don't know how
0: what the percentage is today—but we have quite a lot of PhDs, indeed. Mm-hmm. Most of them are civil engineers or, or mathematical engineers or physicists, indeed. So a strong mathematical background is indeed is important. Um, but equally important for us, so we've we've hammered on that from day one. In, in contrast with a lot of with a lot of other companies, we don't just want the people that understand the mathematics, mm-hmm. but we also want the people that understand how the creates value. Okay. So within our hiring process, for instance, you have a technology challenge, the tech challenge, and that's coding, making something AI, which is being evaluated. But immediately the step after that, if you are technically capable, is a business case where they need to start from, this is the challenge a customer has, translate this to an AI solution. Yep. And if they, the, that, that's equally important as the technology challenge. Mm-hmm. Because for us, we don't believe in, 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 in you just understand mathematics. you yep. need to make the link between both, and okay, some people are stronger in it than others. Um, but that's very important for us. so mainly engineers, solution Leads team is a mix of engineers um, but like myself, I have more an economics background, but a very strong technology affinity,
1: and I think that's also that's always yeah. crucial yep. okay. I mean there's a big Scarcity of of data scientists and 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 top talent on the market today, and they can go and work for big companies, and they can go work for the most uh, for the uh, for pharmaceutical companies with the highest salaries and and so on and so on. So these young potentials that have a lot of choice, why would they come and work for Redix? Um Well, the the question is not why would
0: why do they come and work for Radix? Uh, because that's that's something. Um, Talent was the our number one challenge in the beginning. And that's something I wouldn't say, well, I would say actually we've solved. We okay. we we have, we can pick the best talent. That's basically something, a luxury position that we have today. Um, and why? Because I think we are, <laughs> and this will be very braggy, which is not really something I'm used to do. But we really have a great company and team mm-hmm. and it's it's i would say it's more the team that makes it than than than. it's a combination of we have great people and our people are the ones that hire the new
1: people as well and uh, we have a very strong culture in that sense let's describe that a little bit what what is unique and and your company culture um i would say
0: there is almost no one who gets not accepted how quirky you can be it doesn't matter i think that's Important. We share knowledge and and, and and learn from each other. From, not only in the technology, but it's a really it's a sharing culture. It's sharing not only in knowledge but also in who we are, what we daily do. It's um, we get a lot of freedom. I don't I don't know where our people are working. I have no clue. Uh, we want them to be there on monday and friday because i think it's important to be at the company at some point but for the rest i have no idea and we don't check if they work that doesn't that's not something we're doing we believe that they they want to achieve something we give them that utmost freedom they work abroad they work in belgium we allow them to do that as long as also it fits with the customer and with the part sometimes you need to be there and sometimes just Communication goes better. It's important, but that's something that they sense that they know themselves. We don't need to tell them that. Um, so we are extremely flexible. We give a lot of freedom. Um, we're, we're. I think I don't know how many um, nationalities we have today, but quite a lot. We have uh, Belgians. We have Ukrainians. We have uh, people from the U.S. We have people from uh, Italy. We have people from Spain. We have people from. Um, netherlands and i'm forgetting countries because i don't all know all them by heart we just denmark we all speak english so for me they're all the same yep. and that's basically everyone is the same um even i'm the ceo i think if you see me running around usually don't people don't
1: yep. think i'm the ceo so you're the ceo you uh, co-founded this organization what is it now five years ago you're doubling every 18 months tell me a little bit about your challenge as a as a ceo today and, and and what is it that you're focused on now? How big is the company, a number of people, and what is your focus today? So we're around uh, 50, 55 today. Um, we have a very strong
0: management team today, which I'm very proud of that we have then, which is something that was work of the last uh, year, I would say. Um, they're growing a lot, and actually they're, I would almost dare to say, managing the company. Um, so that was very... Uh, very challenging but very interesting experience and now being very positive as well now towards the future we're going fast but for me it's never fast enough that's a bit that's my strong point, but also my weak point um so it's not and, and i'm looking for okay how can we how can we do um, a turbo on the turbo um we now have a solid team in belgium this is working really well now yeah what's next we're looking abroad we already have our first customers abroad so we're working for a few companies in the U.S., in Italy, the Nordics. Um, so we need to extend that now. Yeah. Today it's all being serviced remotely. Now we need to put uh, a foot on the ground uh, over there. So that's really something that we're now working on yeah. uh, to make to make that um, to sustain that growth. And
1: actually, the ambition is to grow even faster. Yeah. So you're very ambitious. The goal is to conquer the world, then, or well, and Mars included. <laughs> okay, so. Fundamentally, your role is you've set up your uh, your team, you have a strong management team. So where do you spend most of your time then today? As in the location? <laughs> no, uh, where do I spend the most of
0: my time? It's a good question. I, I, it's, it's so diverse because there's so many moving pieces. Um, um, it's with clients, it's with your team, it's with your shareholders, what is it? Well, the, the, yeah shareholders, I'm lucky to be together with uh, uh, the co-founders, the only shareholders, so we don't have uh, a lot of challenges there. For the rest, it's with the management team, um, supporting them, understanding how they can how they can grow. It's with the customers. It's um, helping them see, okay, what what is it that AI can do for them? I think those are the the main two things. And in hiring, making sure that we. In, in the key roles, having the key people, I think that's yep. that's the three things okay. which are on my agenda.
1: You already said that you're very impatient. You're always gonna wanna go faster and faster. So that puts quite a pressure I can imagine on, on, on your teams and, and your organization. So what do you think the uh, that people appreciate uh, about your leadership style? Because I mean, you're clearly a leader of this organization. What do you think they will say about your leadership style when having a coffee together and you're not there? Um, I think I'm I prefer a very radical
0: candor style which is I say what I think they know what I think I can't hide what I think which is a something I is mutual um I think that's very important I also think I need to learn a lot still I'm I I, I know that I can be quite directive in in what I think we need to go which is good in the beginning which I now need to uh, ease a bit mm-hmm. uh which is a learning curve for myself as well yeah. because That's what, as I said before, they're a very strong team right now and um, I need to let go a little bit Mm -hmm. because they know what they can do and they know how far they can go. So um, I think that's that's the important part, which the leader I try to be, maybe that's the answer I can give, which is I try to learn from what works, what doesn't work and become a better leader myself. And I think the important shift that I need to make right now is from a more directive point of view to a more... Servant, or whatever you want to call it, I try to I try to actually change even a little bit depending on the person I'm working with, yep. uh, what they need, the experience they have, the maturity that they have.
1: But that's I have to say that's a challenge for me. Okay. And uh, where do you where do you learn from? Where do you, who are your mentors, your examples, people that you look up to that uh, that inspire you? Um, that's a good question. I read a lot. I
0: like um, biographies, uh, reading about how they do things and just talking to people and a little one, one uh, conversation I had, um, not so long ago with staying Christians, which is the co-founder of Kulibra and, and CTO and now CDO of Kulibra. And I'm, I don't really ask for help quite fast, but I learn from seeing how they work mm-hmm. and the way he can. I I have an extreme amount of respect for what he has done so far. Yeah, the building the unicorn, eh? exactly. Well, that's a lot more uh, than a a unicorn. But the humbleness in which he can still present himself and be open and share and not being not being not looking down or whatsoever, that I think is something which I admire a lot. Mm -hmm. While being very successful, still having that humbleness, that is something. And that allows him to be, in my opinion, a great leader. He gives energy to people without 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 needing to force himself just because he is among them. And I think that's very strong.
1: Okay. Now, if you let's let's take a, a, a step deeper and let's drill down a little bit more on 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 you as a person and as a leader. What is it? And, and so, drive, results, growth is 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 clearly very important uh, for you. And then and. and and making sure that you bring the team with you is is the challenge and and that what you're working on very hard. But if we go below that, what are the the core values that you would say that you would live by, the things that are that that drive you in your decision making? Um,
0: there's at, the first two that come up is first of all, um, authenticity integrity. I, I don't like faces. I like people. I really if if, if I have the feeling people are not honest, and I try to be, speak my heart as well. Yeah. And I think that is, that is extremely important for me. Mm-hmm. Truth, honesty, um, say what you think and all the blah, 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 I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. And um, well, uh, so important that uh, people that don't do that, I really, um, and I have a good detector for it. <laughs> um, that's number one. Um, number two, I, I don't like convention. I hate convention. Um, I'm a bit like my three year old daughter. I already know what she's going to say. If I ask something before I ask it, she says no, <laughs> um, which is like, I like to challenge. Mm-hmm. But because I don't like people, I, it's always been like that. I hate, I, that's something I, I hate. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important to think about what you want to achieve and start from, in physics, what they call first principles, start from the basics and not start somewhere in the middle because it has always been like that. That's where the mistakes happen. That's where all the inefficiencies in the whole world come from because everything has happened like that. Um, I think, so that challenging of going back to where does it start, Mm -hmm. where is the actual problem and what's the basic ingredients that we need to work with, that's one. Integrity, authenticity, being being honest, um, and thirdly, um, but it fits with honesty, but also being trustworthy, reliable. Of if if you say something, a word is a word. Okay. If you don't if you don't follow that word, um, that's mentally written, and I never forget. Okay.
1: What do your parents think of you now? I mean, you're in, um, running your own business now, being quite successful. Uh, they didn't want you to be an entrepreneur. How do they look at, your, uh, at you today? Just, I wouldn't say they didn't want
0: it to be, they were scared of it. And I think they're over that part of being scared because they see that somehow it works. Yeah. Um. But it's also very interesting. Like my dad didn't text me, I'm proud of you. But if I see him, he was like, you're doing good. <laughs> so, but he, he, I, I, they're definitely proud of me. Um, that's for sure. Um, now, how did he feel about it? It's a good question. Um, I, I think for them, it's also, it's, it's a very big unknown in some way, as in what is happening. AI is already something which is a unknown. my father then says, I, I, I follow you on LinkedIn. I, I look every day, um, or each, every, each and every other day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're definitely proud. They, they, they okay, but they're very proud of you. They're very proud, but but at the same time, my parents are also, and that is something which I think is good.
1: They don't put me on a pedestal uh, and they will probably never. You know, my father is, uh, he, he passed away now, but even after 20 years, I had my own business. He was still being, are you sure you can sustain yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also not very entrepreneurial uh, at the time. So. Uh David, if you allow me maybe a couple of more personal questions because I think it's really interesting to know the the person behind the the leader and the and the entrepreneur if you look back at your still uh, young life what are the what are the things that uh you say that are really the best thing that has ever happened to you in your life and um,
0: the best thing that has happened to me in my life i think the best is yet to come and i think that's something which i li- live by um um, oh, the best thing. Well, cliche. I I do think my kids. Um, I think that's um, very cliche. But I think that's it. Made me. It made me a different person, uh, looking at the world differently. That's I think the kids. Then um, the fact of taking the step of of like thinking of being an entrepreneur for years and then suddenly just fuck it and do it. Yeah. And that's basically the summary of how do you be an entrepreneur, fuck it and do it. Um, And it's far less risky, I think, than than most people think. Um, There's a lot of risk in it. eh? I'm not saying saying that, but there's less to lose than most people think, in my opinion. What is it that you fear most in your life today? Not succeeding, but the question then will be what is succeeding? And that the line changes every six months, I would say. So not succeeding, encountering my limits. Okay, a point where I feel I can't go further Mm -hmm. because I don't
1: think that exists. (laughs) Okay, so there's there's nothing to fear there, and how, right? So, um, but I I I don't
0: know if you have that, but there's always a yin and a yang, a duality in a in, in a person. Which is on one side, I believe, and I truly believe for everyone, there's nothing you cannot do, nothing you there's uh, I've said that like, but then people look at me like, what stupid things are you saying, but Elon Musk is w- how much worth is he, what is he doing like too much, even being ten percent of that, Yeah, it's more than enough, it's more than enough, and I'm like, okay, why would I even hesitate if he can do that, if I'm ten percent of that, I'm pretty good so I don't, I think fundamentally it boils down to that. Believing you can do it, that determination. Okay, you need some competency and some intelligence, yeah. of course. But I don't think, I think it's marginal returns between after a certain level of IQ, basically. And then it's, it's determination, grit, uh, and really pushing, 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 pushing. Yeah. And that's something in my co-founder I admire as well. He is, he is... Uh, if he puts his mind to something, and that's something which makes us very strong as a duo, yep.
1: if you put our mind to something, I really believe mean, there's nothing we cannot do. Yep. Do uh, ma- oh, me- Maybe I've mentioned already a couple, but is there a mantra, a saying that, that you use that helps you in in a difficult situation to uh, get clarity to uh, that helps you make a decision? There's two different questions. To get
0: clarity, it takes it takes thinking and structure. I need structure to think and that... That I can do that myself, like I can do that by talking to others. But my, my mantra, oh, uh, just do it, fuck it. Uh, it's, I, at some point, um, if, if something becomes difficult, you can, it can go to a point where you get stressed, where you get discomfort. But for me, that very quickly changes into, fuck this shit. I can do this, I don't give a, I, I, it's it's like, by not caring anymore what can happen, and just tackling it, because whatever happens, it can't get worse, so just deal with it, yep. but that, that, like, yeah, I'm usually then, I need something, I start running, I need something which, like, some bit of adrenaline, or, or other things, which are not always things you should do, Um, but get the adrenaline going, and then I just don't give a shit anymore, and just start doing things okay which
1: is for some people maybe not the right thing to do but for me it helps davio what i really wanted to know is what is what is according to the secret of success of radix um i think number one determination and number two the most important one is
0: there's a few people that you encounter and and it's it's luck or it's it's um in dutch they say meval it's you you help luck a little bit, but those few people can really can really make the difference. I think in the beginning, um, uh, Hido, uh van Humbik, which, which was helped us and, and was really a fan of us. I think that was someone who uh, really believed in us from the beginning. Um, Bart Saverens at, at Brussels Airport Company as well uh, is someone that really believed in us. Um, I, at home as well, having having a, a girlfriend who can. Uh, who can carry all of this shit. I would not want to be in her shoes. Um, um, I think that's very important. My co-founders, I think that's also something, there's moments where you almost try to kill each other um, in a way of speaking, but you still pull through. Mm-hmm. Um, and now in our management team, um, I think having some extremely talented people and driven people, I think that's that is that's really what makes the difference. Okay.
1: Davio, these video interviews are being uh, watched by many different kinds of uh, people, but um, also by high potentials that are looking to develop uh, an, 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 an interesting career like yours, or that are looking to in, uh, to develop a career in AI. What's the, what's the advice that you would give to young, ambitious professionals that want to be successful in your domain? Commentary in <laughs> Um oh, I- in in
0: my domain, if it comes to you have entrepreneurial the entrepreneurial part and you have the AI part okay I think entrepreneurial part um if you're a high potential and that's something you dream of, um just do it. I think the the only difference between between someone who who is an entrepreneur and who isn't is the one that does it. Um, I think that's and, and it sounds easy but it isn't, but that's the number one thing just do it. If it comes down to AI, um, it depends a lot on what you want to achieve in the domain of AI. My, my own journey, I went quite far in, in I, have not, I don't have a technical background, as, as we said in the beginning, but I went so far as in learning myself to code Python and then uh, making my own AI systems, putting them in the cloud, because I really found it important to understand the mechanics. Like I said, the first principles, how does it work so I can really help uh, other people with it. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say you need to do that per se to get into AI today. Um, well, actually, there's one. There's now something that was brought out by uh, Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z, which is a, 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 a one of the more well-known um, US-based VCs, mm-hmm. and they they published something which is called the AI canon. Yeah, in Belgium, eh, the Vlaamse <laughs> canon. Um, the AI canon is um, is 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 a bit that idea but they're quite extensive in giving you information on um, both the potential of AI in terms of investing, but in terms of applications and an overview of the technology. And I think that I was very impressed with that one. I think that's a very good one, having one source and and, um, plowing through that. And I think the other part is, um, what I also think is now a very interesting source of information is following a few people on Twitter that are really into the right spot. Like um, in, in the world of AI, you have André Karpati, who really always brings very interesting insights, mm-hmm. Who is um, who was the head of AI at Tesla and now is um, uh, part of OpenAI as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a few people. Um, um, Greg Brockman, which is one of the co-founders of OpenAI as well. You have, I, I don't know all the names, but you have a few, uh, Mark Andreessen, uh, Ben Horowitz from uh, Andreessen those people follow them. They talk a lot about AI um, and see what is happening around because being up to date is also very important. Yep. Um, so I th- th- those are the two things, having one source and, and having like a bit of a helicopter view and then going deep in certain areas that, that are of your interest
1: and then following the right people to keep in the loop because it's changing so fast. So David, is there maybe before we end the interview, one last thing that you uh, still wanted to share with us? Well, if you want to be informed, I'm hosting a podcast series, Future Forward.
0: Uh, you can find it on your favorite podcast uh, platform where I'm talking with uh, experts, AI experts in specific domains on unraveling the AI future. Okay,
1: super. Thank you for sharing that. Davio, it was a pleasure having you here today. Thank you, Henrik.